Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. hope your day's been going good, and I'm excited that we've got these next couple of hours together. Dr. Glenn Pickering's going to be joining me in just a moment. Second hour, David Wheaton will be coming on the program, and also Richard Barr, who does a lot of work with people who are homeless, and how interesting it will be to discover how we do that in a time of COVID pandemic. So I'm going to open up the phone lines today. By that, I mean you can send me texts. If you have questions for Dr. Pickering, let me know what they are at 877-933-2484. And the question is, is it a stress or a bless that we've got all this extra time and hours together? Are you finding it to be a stress or a bless? Or maybe it's a combo of both. So... Let me know what the questions are for Dr. Glenn Pickering. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll take a short break and be right back. Facing the future with confidence because Jesus is our source of hope. I love listening to Faith Radio, and it's always encouraging, and it's always a place to kind of hear confirmation of God's voice and what He's trying to speak in your life. I encourage everyone to listen in. Every time that I listen, everything is very timely for what I'm needing in my life, whether it's encouragement or direction or teaching. It always just feels like it's very timely. This is Faith Radio. Connecting faith to life every day. He's on the inside of me, guiding me, leading me, helping me, strengthening me, healing me, caring for me, providing for me, answering my prayers, doing everything he said he would do. That's where he is. Faith Radio. Welcome to the program. So glad Dr. Glenn Pickering is joining me today. He is a uh, psychologist and counselor and relationship expert. He's written a book called Tag, Playing Tag, You're Not It, the world's most common game, also being a gentleman. And we're going to be talking about all kinds of things from both of those books today. Glenn, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. You bet. And it's interesting because I sent out the, uh, I, I sent out saying to any listener, is it stress or bless? Okay, great. I want to find out if it's uh, more stressful being together with all these extra hours or if it's a blessing or maybe both. So we'll see what comes up. But I I would love for you to talk about it to get things started. Okay, cool. I, um, you know, I've talked to a lot of my clients and who are going through stuff. And of course, there are blessings that come from being home together. There are more people going out on walks and playing games with their kids. And, you know, there really are times for those kind of connections that we don't always have time to make. But I also see a lot of families talking about, okay, they don't work at work anymore, but both parents are working at home remotely. The kids are home during their distant learning, and they're all trying to share the same space and the same bathrooms and the same computer and the same refrigerator. 
<laughs> yeah. that can be that can be problematic, and they can start to kind of create friction with each other, and uh, that can be hard too. Yeah. Well, one of the things you you uh, said, which I find really good, is situations don't cause problems; situation reveals problems. See, that's a powerful thought. Oh, is it ever? I, I had a friend say that to me probably 20 years ago, and I, I honestly think about it all the time. I was going through kind of a hard time, and I was saying, well, you know, it's a hard time for me because yada, yada, and I talked about the situation. And that's when he said, Glenn, situations don't cause problems. Situations reveal problems. Mm-hmm. So if there's a situation and I'm having a struggle with it, I think, well, I'm only struggling because of the situation. But really what the situation is doing is revealing a struggle I have. Let's say, for example, two people feel like, you know, maybe they don't make very good, maybe they don't really make decisions together very well. Okay, and maybe if they're not together a lot, it doesn't really come up all that often. But let's say you're home now all the time, and you've got to sort out who has a computer when, and who's going to work at home, and who's taking care of the kids, and how do we help the kids get all their homework done, and how do we take care of all the mess now our house is created because we're all here all the time. And we have suddenly a whole lot of decisions we have to make together, and we notice instead of making good decisions, we kind of fight about who's right, we kind of pick on each other, or get all negative or critical of the way other people are doing it, or we just start bossing people around, and we realize, oh, I get it. We are really not very good at making decisions together. And it was always true, except now there's this situation that just makes it really clear that it's true. And uh, I, I just think, it's, I gave lots of other examples, but I just think that's a perfect one about how situations don't actually cause problems, but they do reveal problems. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the ways are a little too clear, like almost painful. Yeah, and then, Glenn, let's put into the mix the people that are home, that they're alone, Right. And they used to have a son or daughter or grandchild right. stop right. by and visit. Now, that's not happening anymore. Right. And they're feeling the stress of f- feeling more isolated than ever before. Right, right. And, and again, they probably were isolated, maybe too isolated before, but could kind of deal with it by, you know, the kids come over, the grandkids, and so I don't really have to get more involved in my church or more part of my community. I can just kind of do that. But suddenly when the kids can't come over and the grandkids can't come over, if I don't have other people in my life that I'm connected to, it's like, wow, I get it. I'm really lonely. I've, uh, I've had people, for example, who are, were alcoholic who got sober, and they would say to me things like, yeah, Glenn, it's really great to be sober, but one hard thing is now I'm really lonely. And I just laugh. I think, no, you always were lonely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's one of the things you would drink to forget. But yeah. Now you're sober, so it's still true that you're lonely. It's just that now the situation makes it more clear that that's true. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what the situations that we go through reveal to us, and it does reveal what our problems are, right. uh, you, you will always say, too, in Romans eight twenty eight, in all things God will work together for good to those who love him and who right. are called according to his purpose. Absolutely. And so what I think is, even if you're in a, so listeners, if you're in a situation where you feel like, wow, this being together all the time is really revealing to me or to us some things that maybe have always been true, but now we really see that that's a problem, I think it's important to remember, yeah, God doesn't just show you that something's a problem and then leave it at that. Like, the point is not to make you, like, feel bad about yourself. The point is to help you think, oh, there's something I need to get better at there. And I'm so clear that the instant I see a problem and I ask God to start helping me on that, then God does just start working with me in really interesting sorts of ways to actually transform that part of my life. So when people think, Glenn, this is really bringing up a lot of problems we have, I have empathy because I totally believe it's true. 
And I want to be encouraging to think, okay, well, maybe this is just God's way of showing you that there's something I always kind of needed to work on, and now you kind of have to. And you could see that it's a bad thing, or you could see it as God just showing you something that if you work on that, your life will be way better. Mm, that's being positive, though, too, Glenn. Right, right, just to see. Cause just because <laughs> there's part, something in my life that's not right. Yeah. How can I say? I always feel like I can tell when God has convicted me of something. That's not just my little ego chattering, because I get total clarity with no condemnation. So let's say I'm that person, and I'm noticing with me and my wife, we don't make very good decisions together, and I realize, wow, it's just sort of clear to me right now. We never have actually been very good at that. Now, see, if, that, if that's from God, I just see it really clearly, like, wow, that's just really true. But without any judgment, like, oh, you're a bad person, or you're a terrible husband or wife. It's more like, no, I just I see that now, and it makes me really want to get better at that. Mm-hmm. I just think that's, that's the response that God's really interested in. Uh-huh, I see that. Okay. And I really want to get better at that. Now, there's so many big issues on the table, Glenn. Uh, just this pandemic in general, of course, is changing the course of the world. But also, uh, there's such a disruption in routines. And yeah. do couples even ad- address that? Just saying, we are so out of our routine. Because right, I know on any yep. certain day, I'm not going to see this person for eight hours. And there's going to be joy in seeing this person at the end of eight hours, a work shift, and right. then we go about our normal routines. But the routines right. are gone now. So right. as yep. much as I love this person, I'm seeing them too much. Right. And that also just sort of reveals to us how much we actually need to have kind of a rhythm to our day. I've been talking to a lot of my clients about, okay, what kind of patterns, how can I say, now that the patterns aren't being sort of inflicted on you, like somebody else decides when you go to work or what time you come home or what time the kids go to school, now that somebody else isn't sort of forcing you to have a rhythm to your life and it really is up to you, one of the things they might be noticing is, oh, we haven't been very good at creating our own little rhythm about how we mm. do things and when we do things. Yeah. And this is an opportunity maybe to think, okay, we want to be more clear about how we actually want to spend our time together as a family. And I just think, again, it's just, it's just good to kind of come with that attitude of, okay, okay, I see now that there's this thing we haven't really had to wrestle with, but now we kind of do need to. Mm-hmm. And you instead know, of seeing that as a burden, they just think, okay, well, okay. Yeah, and I also want to go back to the, the people who might be alone and isolated, because I always yep, want to include right. those yep. in the group. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, maybe the, the, the kids and grandkids might get used to saying, well, I get to see Grandma on Sundays, so um, maybe you replace that with two or three FaceTime calls a week, because mm-hmm. Grandma's not getting hugs anymore, and that's right. probably very hard on her. Exactly, and I think that's a really good point, because... Yes, there are some people who are now crammed into their house with a bunch of other people, but there are some people who feel like I'm really alone now in a way they haven't, that I'm not usually alone. And it's important to be thinking about those people in our life. And again, to be intentional, like you're saying, instead of sort of accidental, well, I'll see Grandma Sunday like where I always do. Like, no, 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 I want to really be intentional. How do I reach out to that person? How can I connect with that person? Um, our church has done this interesting thing, like everybody who's willing to be what they call a shepherd is given 10 names of people who they call each week. Just to see how they're doing. That's great. And I love that I love that way of being. It's just a way of saying, you know what, we have to be, instead of just coming together as a church every week, which we can't do anymore, we have to be way more intentional about how we connect to each other. And I think, okay, and so if this is an opportunity for us to be more intentional about reaching out to the people who we always think, oh, I should call them sometime, but then I never really do. Well, maybe this is the time when we really think, no, I really am going to call them. Yeah. 
All right, Glenn, let me take a little break. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. And if you have a question as we're dealing with this extra amount of time together, and if it's a stress or a bless, uh, we'd love to know what it is. And we'd also love to uh, hear your questions for him. He's willing and able to take them. So send me a text at 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. You're absolutely welcome to text me a question for him, 877-933-2484. We were just talking during the break, uh, Rebecca and I, and she was saying wisely, like she always says, uh, what about if situations have revealed that you have problems, uh, but you were never good at dealing with them in the first place? Now what? (laughs) That's why you still have them. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great answer. Let's move on. (laughs) But now what do we do, Glenn? (laughs) Well, see, there's always some smart aleck in the group. I don't know. It wouldn't be me. No, no, absolutely not. No, that's a great question. And I think, mm, I really believe when there's part of my life that really needs to be transformed, like I'm not going to get to the next phase of my life or my discipleship journey until I deal with this thing, then God just keeps showing that to me. And if I don't learn it now, then I'm just going to get shown that again tomorrow or next week or the next day because that's how it happens. So let's say something gets revealed to me in this time together that I'm not very good at. I could think, well, I'm just not very good at that. Okay, probably true. Or I could think, yeah, and I'm never going to be good at it until I start practicing. And God's going to keep bringing this up for me until I do start practicing. So what's a small step I could start taking in that direction? And I work with my clients just relentlessly, and I always think, what's a small place to start? Because so often when we see a problem in our life, it can feel overwhelming, and I think, I don't even know how to fix that. But I really just have to be open to thinking about what a first step might be. And that's not asking too much, is it? No, it's not. And yeah, we can really all do that. Open, right, God will put that first step on my heart. So I, um, yeah. Because, Glenn, I would say... Uh, if we are left to our own uh, device, we will always go to our first knee-jerk reaction. Right, yep. And I think um, that's so true. And our first knee-jerk reaction, let's say I've had a problem for a long time, and now it's kind of getting revealed to me. My knee-jerk reaction is to tell myself, well, I've always been bad at that, I'll never be good at that, blah, blah, blah. And then I don't actually deal with it. And then the whole thing that God's trying to do and transform me doesn't happen. So I have to be willing to not go with that to really think, okay, if I drop my knee-jerk reaction and just ask God, how could I start doing this differently? I promise God will answer that prayer for us every time. All right, Glenn, I want to ask a question about that. Yeah. Is that is that self-preservation when we're so quick to go, I am never going to be good at that? Are we trying to let ourselves off the hook as fast as we can? Why don't we say something like, okay, I guess I've been bad at that for a long time. i got to figure out what is baby step number one to change. Right. I just think in, um, oh, golly, who was it who wrote the, I wish my handy was here. Um, oh, anyway, one of the people who started one of the great movements in the Catholic Church, which it will all come back to me, so it's sort of a good thing about this. He starts off his little rules 
I will call it St. Benedict. The rules of the Order of St. Benedict. He starts off with the rule of St. Benedict by saying, the problem with most of us is we have what he calls a sloth of disobedience. We know what we're supposed to do. We can't even know where to start. And then out of sheer laziness, we don't do it. Because it's easier not to. Mm. It's not better, but it is easier. And I think that all the time about the sloth of disobedience, that so often our sin isn't what we do. Our sin is that we know God has put something on our heart, and it's easier to just not do it. Yeah, that gets us all thinking, Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. All right, how does, how does tag play into these knee-jerk reactions? Well, what I'm thinking is this. When, one of the first signs that we're kind of struggling, one of the first stresses that can show up if we're, like, together more than we used to be together, yeah. is, um, is we start doing our little knee-jerk responses. Like, we get critical or kind of irritable or um, we start blaming other people for the problems that we're having instead of kind of being a team with them. Um, so there's more arguments. People start feeling like they're walking around on eggshells, or maybe they start feeling like we're just right now we just have sort of a roommate lifestyle here instead of really feeling like we're really like partners in any way. And I just think that happens because our knee-jerk reaction is our first knee-jerk reaction, and here's what I mean. The whole tape playing, don't want to be the bad one, don't want things to be my fault, that's our go-to reaction. And to actually become what you know, you've heard me talk about being what I call a second responder, about yes. slowing down long to actually choose a different, a different way to react or a different thing to say or a different way to be. See, what I really realize is that that takes an act of will, to stop, to feel my initial reaction, stop long enough to let God give me a better answer, and then do that. It takes an act of will. And if we're really tired or really stressed or really worn out, it's just hard to find the energy that it takes to do that act of will. So it just starts sliding back into the things that don't take any thought or energy, and those are the same knee-jerk reactions that we've always done. Sadly, those don't take any thought. Mm, yeah. I don't have to decide that. Somebody bumps into me and I have an irritable response, it didn't make, take any energy to respond in, with irritation. It would actually, I would have to actually stop, slow down, consciously choose to be different in order to react differently and that takes energy and if I'm feeling worn out I might not feel like I have that energy or that strength mm. all right so let's look at some of the reasons we're gonna have the responses we're having we've got yeah. increased time together we've got yep. uh, maybe an increase in uptick in arguments or tension yep. Yep. Uh, maybe we feel there's more eggshells on the floor than usual yep and we now have uh, Everyone trying to conduct business in an right. environment. All in the same space at the same the- time. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. With a whole lot of uncertainty mixed in, like how long is this going to last? Yes. We don't know. Yes. If I'm ever going to be back to go back to work, I don't know. Are the kids really going to be in school again this year or not? Right. We don't know. Yes. So not only are we in this new reality, part of the new reality that we're in contains a whole lot of uncertainty. And a lot of bad news too, Glenn. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So uh, how do we how do we do this where... Uh, we can be kind and gentle with one another. Here's what I think all the time to myself. It's always important to be what I call a second responder, to stop, slow down, and make sure the things I'm saying to the people in my life are the things I want to say. When we're going through a stressful time like this, when it's so easy to just go with our first knee-jerk response, I want to like double down on thinking before I respond. I want to actually think, what do I want to say here? And... Um, 
And God will always help us with that, of course. And here's how God always helps us if if we're willing. God, you know, you've heard me talk a million times about how I think everything goes think, feel, do. You know, Mm -hmm. our thinking drives our feelings and our feelings drive our um, actions. So if I actually want to act differently, like, and, you know, I can feel myself sort of stressed out, a little overwhelmed. I can feel my, see myself acting in ways I don't want to act. And I ask God to help me. God will help me, of course, always. But not by changing my behavior or my action. God helps me by changing the way I think. So, for example, if my wife does something that irritates me, I can just feel that irritated response, that knee-jerk response. If I stop just for four seconds, God will remind me, this person is really precious to you. She's given her life to you. She takes care of you in amazing ways. And God has given her specifically for you to take care of. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and see, when my thinking is that clear, yeah. then my feelings towards her and my behavior towards her changes. So I just notice in the scriptures, which, you know, you've heard me talk a lot about, about how Jesus doesn't try to change people's behavior. He's always trying to change the way they think, mm. you know. You've heard it said, dot, 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 but I tell you, like he says all through Matthew 5, like, I know how you think, but see, as long as you keep thinking that way, I can't help you. If you want to actually change your life, your thinking needs to be transformed, just like the Apostle Paul also talked about in Romans. So if I want to behave better in these stressful times when it's so easy to just do the knee-jerk thing, that means I have to be willing to change my thinking, especially my thinking about who that other person is, and that's what God is really good at reminding me about. Somebody in my life does something irritating, and I just look at them, and I just ask God to help me see them through God's eyes. Instantly, I do. And instantly, it makes me want to change my behavior. Mm -hmm. I heard this great author talk once, me and Gwen were at a seminar somewhere, and uh, and he was talking about how, you know, I understand, you know, God's my father. And, of course, I married my wife, and, of course, you know, um, he's her father, too. And they said, and then I had this really profound realization that means he's also my father-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> and he has some real clear expectations about how I treat his little girl. Yeah. And uh, just thinking that about how just anything that helps me slow down long to be really clear who I'm talking to. I'm not talking to some irritating thing. I'm talking to this person in my life who's really important to me. And anything I can do to slow down my thinking longer to remember who it is that I'm talking to or let God help me remember who it is that I'm talking to will help me then become that second responder instead of just going with my first knee-jerk reaction, which, if we're stressed out, that knee-jerk reaction will not be good or kind. Yeah. All right, Glenn, let me take a little break. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. You can go to his uh, website, which is glennpickering.com, and that's Glenn with two N's, G-L-E-N-N-P-I-C-K-E-R-I. ING.com. He has this lovely offer about midway down the front page is an invitation to connect with him for a free 20 minute phone call. And all you have to do is fill it out and hit send, and he'll uh, arrange a time for you guys to chat for 20 minutes. And I promise you can get a lot out of Glenn in 20 minutes. So let me take a little break. When we come back, lots more with Dr. Glenn Pickering. Also, if you have a question about relationships right now, if you are uh, both working out of your home, maybe there's some extra tension and you've got a question. As to how things are going, you can uh, text it over right now, 877-933-2484. Otherwise, we'll be back in 90 seconds. Faith Radio. 
Welcome back to the show. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. You can head over to glennpickering.com. Glenn, here's a question from a listener. Yeah. Uncertain, uh, uncertainty destabilizes us. destabilizes us more than we think. We have crushing money worries, and it's easy to head toward the negative. How do we counter the negative when an $800 bill arrives and you have no idea how you're going to pay it? Right. Great question. I love that question. And actually, it brings me to kind of the next thing I want to talk about anyway. So thank you, listener, for helping me do that. Um, is it okay if I just finish off sort of what of course. I was going to say yeah. for one second, and then we'll come right back to that yeah. question. That's okay. So I talked about how, you know, when we're going through a stressful time, we're more tired or more irritated, and that we need to choose a second response so we don't get ourselves into trouble or be hurtful. But it's important to be honest and remember, yeah, but sometimes we'll forget. And we're going to go with our first response, and we're going to be, give back a response that's irritable or frustrated or angry or short-tempered. And, um, and so I want to talk about what happens when we do do that. And here's what I want. Here's what I just ask people to be watchful for. If after an interaction with the kids or your spouse or a friend or a coworker, you kind of keep replaying that as a way to sort of justify why you said what you said or why you did what you did or trying to convince yourself that what you did was okay or that, that you had to do it that way, it's just important to recognize that as a sign of what it is. When I, when I hear myself justifying my response, it's a sure sign to me that part of me knows that I did something that was hurtful or mm-hmm. wrong. Because if I was totally loving, I don't have to replay that in my mind afterwards. I'm done with it. Somebody says, hey, Glenn, can you listen to me for a second? I say, oh, sure, and I listen, and I'm helpful, and we walk away. I don't have to keep justifying in my mind later on why I said what I said. Mm-hmm. But if I actually, my soul and my spirit, really feel unsettled because I actually feel really bad about something I did or said, and I hear my brain trying to sort of rationalize it, well, they were a jerk. They sort of deserved it. I was just telling the truth. I, the more we hear ourselves sort of given those rationalizations in our brain, the more we can be sure that there's something wrong with what we said or did. Interesting. So I just want to say to the listeners, so if you hear yourself doing that, just kind of trying to justify what you did, just remember this only happens because your brain is trying to justify something that your spirit and your heart know were wrong. Mm, that's good. So it's important then just to come back and apologize to the person and say, hey, I, I feel bad about how that went. Now, here's what all of us who come from the tag playing background have to understand. I'm not saying, hey, the whole thing that went south, that was all my fault. I'm just saying, I feel bad about my part of that. And so instead of trying to justify it or find a rationalization for it, to just say, I feel bad that I said this or that I did that. So we're just taking responsibility for our part of whatever went sideways in that interaction. And one thing we do at our house a lot is we have do-overs. So this just happened yesterday. Um, what happened? Oh, one of us had just come home and suddenly how much somehow right away started having sort of a weird interaction like went bad and i said well this this is gonna be a bad start for our time together and we both thought you know you're right so we just both backed up <laughs> came back had, to, had that interaction over again i had a little do-over yeah and two great things happened then a you don't get stuck in that bad place and b it brings sort of a lightness and almost a silliness to things and Completely. then that thing that could have been so bad or had been all tense between us we're just sort of free from that. And yeah. so it's super helpful when you do notice that something went wrong and that you're kind of rationalizing it in your head to do two things. So just apologize for your part and then just say, let's just do that over again. And then do it over again. 
And um, honestly, there's something powerfully liberating about just going back and doing it over again. That's a great uh, piece of wisdom and counsel, and I, I hope people are willing to give that a try. Yeah. It might feel a little funny at first, I can tell you that, people, but I just think, but it's so incredibly helpful. Um, like, Gwen says, hey, Glenn, I don't feel like you're listening. I'm going to say, okay, tell you what, let's do a do-over. Tell it to me again, and I'll really make sure I'm focused on what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Now, notice, it's my job to have that sort of humility to just say, hey, you're probably right. Give me another shot at that. Yeah. Just notice, it's Gwen's job. Gwen has to have some discipline, too, because a lot of people, then, they're going to want to play tag and say, no, if you don't want to listen to the first time, I'm not going to say it again. You don't even, like, it's so easy for that other person then to actually end up acting kind of, you know, badly, going with their knee-jerk response. So if, if somebody in your life says to you, hey, you know what, I probably wasn't listening, I'm really sorry, so irritable, or who knows what, can we just do that over again? It's your job as the receiver not to be harsh about it, which that's our knee-jerk response, and that's our knee-jerk reaction in response to that. Mm-hmm. So even if the other person was a jerk and they come back saying, well, they were a jerk, if we're not careful, we're a jerk instead of accepting their apology. <laughs> yeah, we have to point. be really, really careful about that part. Okay, let's drift back yeah, to this uncertainty. Yeah, this yeah. uncertainty is destabilizing a lot of people. It and just does. They I, have crushing money worries. Yep. I, and it's easy to head toward the negative. Yep. Uh, so I want to talk about three things today. One is about, you know, watching out for those knee-jerk reactions. Second is about watching. I just think if we're not careful when we go through a time like this, Almost all of our conversations get, have take on this sort of compulsive quality where we just get focused on our fearful thoughts about the future. And it's like, weirdly, every one of our conversations then sort of becomes that. Mm. Like that's which the new is, template, and everything right, which, is right. measured off of that. Right, which is, which is the part that's actually destabilizing. I get it. So how do you not get into that rut? Well, that's a darn good question. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> You should be like a radio host or something. I'm trying to be. (laughs) (laughs) You're good at that. I like it. Thank you. Um, I think there's several things we can be really conscious about about that. The first is to remember this. We get pulled into those fearful thoughts because, and we get anxious because we're really thinking about the future. And, you know, Jesus says in Matthew 7, you know, that we should stay focused on the troubles of today. And I think we get so fearful when we get ahead, like, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen after this. I don't know what, when is this ever going to be different? Like, we get sort of pulled into that future. And here's the tricky part of that. God really only exists in the eternal right now, which is why when, you know, Moses says to God, well, who shall I say sent me? God says, tell him I am. I am right here with you all the time, right here where you are. And so as soon as we get anxious and start projecting in the future instead of being where we are, we literally go there without God, Mm. which is why it feels so scary. I I said on your show a while back that God, you know, the most powerful force in the universe, wants to be on our team. And, um, And I said something to the effect about, you know, and if God is on my team, like, well, one plus a million, that's a really big number. And a lot of people actually wrote to me afterwards and said that there was a helpful thought to them. And I think, right, when we're getting anxious about our future, we go there by ourselves because, see, one is a small number, but one plus a million is a really big number, and God is in the present. So if I want God to be on my team, I need to actually be in the present. Um, And so I really, really need to be focused on What's happening right now? 
What do I need to deal with right now? And then to be just really just going through my day, prayerfully asking God to be with me and help me deal with whatever it is that's happening right now. I like that. So, Glenn, if we even go back to something you said earlier, that situations don't cause Uh problems, situations reveal problems, would that also apply to spiritual issues? Absolutely. Okay, good. If, If I get anxious, what that shows me is, oh, I get it. When things are going badly, I have a tendency to project into the future, and I go there by myself because God doesn't live there, and I get all mm. anxious, and I sort of get obsessive. Oh, I get it. God has shown me that there's that pattern there. If I'm going to break that, I need to get better at doing everything that helps me be more in the present so that I can just really walk with, with God every step of the way because God, of course, is always so willing to do that with us. Mm. But God can only do that in the present because that's where we are and that's where God is. So... Yeah, if there's a powerful lesson there to say, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is calling me. This situation makes it really clear that I have to get way, way better at staying in the present and really walking out my faith daily with God instead of thinking, I have to do that myself. How am I ever going to do that? What am I going to do if this or that happens? And see, all those thoughts leave God off my team. Even though God is going to be there with you in the future. Right. Uh, right. He says, I'm here present with you today. Right, exactly. And, and tomorrow will be today, and I will be there with you then, too. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Every but, moment, every moment, every moment. But, so if somebody's really walking with me every moment, what they can say is, I will, I will be with you right where you are at that moment. Now, Glenn. That's always true. Go Glenn, ahead. Is it, is it true that when you are learning and understanding biblical principles that you're doing that in whatever state you're in. I mean, if you're in a state of comfort and your needs are being met and they've been met for a long time and you're learning biblical truths, they mean one thing, but then when all that goes away, then you have to ask yourself, well, do I really believe those Uh truths? Right, exactly. I always think... Every one of us are going to hit some times in our life where the rubber hits the road. It's yeah. like, okay, do the things you say you believe, right? you actually believe them when there's a cost to it. Right. And what's the answer to that one? Yes. It's and, going to vary, isn't it? Right. And when, when the Bible says God tests us, that's what it means. Some people think of tests like a worldly way, like somebody has power over me and they're going to decide if I'm good enough or not. It's not like that. God just tests us just to show us where we are on our walk. And what, when, if what I notice is, oh, yeah, when things go okay, I just start thinking, I got it. I don't really talk with God much. I have an idea of God, but I don't really work much on my relationship. Oh, now I'm going through this time, and I realize I really need to be walking with God more. Okay, great. This is God just showing you, hey, here's something you need to get better at. That's what I mean about testing. So God tests us. But not in a worldly way, more just in a way of saying, see, here's the thing that I'd really like to have you work on. Mm. Back to that sort of um, convicting thing, that God showed me something, I had total clarity with no condemnation. There really is no condemnation in Christ. The Bible is so right about that. So when Mm -hmm. God just showed me how to be more Christ-like, my next step, I'm going to see it really clearly. I'm going to be totally convicted that it's true, but not in a way that has any condemnation to it. Just like, oh, yeah. I've been taking an easy route where I just do everything myself. I haven't really been letting God have time to walk with me. Huh. Okay. And if I'm just open to that and just honest about it and I don't feel like I have to defend myself, I just think, okay, well, then I'm going to want to start working on that. 
Right. Mm. Okay, I think it's a, a time for me to have a sip of coffee here and think about what you just said. Okay. So I'm going to take my little break and do some thinking. And okay. if you have uh, a question you'd like to ask Dr. Pickering, let me know what it is. Send me a text at 877-933-2484. Every time Glenn comes on the show, he makes me think real hard. And I like it and I don't. So we'll be right back. Back to the show. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. I'm talking about the extra time we're spending together. Is it stressful or is it a blessful time? I just made that up. So anyway. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we're focused, Glenn, on the urgent tasks that the truly important things get neglected. It's so easy for that to happen. I think um, it's part of what I was talking about a minute ago, too, when sometimes when we go through a crisis, we get sort of focused on our the fearful thoughts about the future. And in that process, we get so wound up about that that we're not in the present, as I was saying a minute ago, but then we also quit doing the things that we actually need to do in order to help us be stronger to deal with that future. So um, I'm too busy worrying, and so I'm so wound up, I don't really feel like sitting still and reading my Bible because that just seems really hard right now. Or I'm instead of praying as I used to do in my car on the way to work and asking God to bless my day. I'm thinking about, you know, the things I'm all worried about. Or, you know, I mean, it's like it pushes out of our life if we're not careful the things that we need to have in our life and actually stay, you know, stay sane and centered. And so, I th- yes. Yeah, and I've talked to a number of people that feel like they're working almost twice as hard for less results with right. more uncertainty. Right. So they're they're questioning their own sanity at times, thinking... You know, they, they talk about the number of times they wake up in the middle of the night and they're scribbling notes to themselves. And and it is one of those times where if you don't put your Bible in your lap and spend time there, you, you will drive yourself kind of nuts and the other people in your house nuts. <laughs> I think that's really right. Because I think, um, well, I'm just always struck by this. If we read a block of the gospel, you know, not the little snippets that we tend to hear in church each Sunday, but... What we see with Jesus is there's a total back-and-forthness to it all the time. So he does some mighty act of ministry, gives away all the love he has in him. And then him and the disciples, or him and the disciples and the women who travel with him and take care of him, they go to a lonely place, or they go to a quiet village, and they're quiet for days. And he, got, he gets filled back up with God's love and the love of his brothers and sisters. When he gets filled up with that love, then he goes out and does some mighty thing, gives it all away. Comes back in and gets filled up goes out there to give it away. There's that, there's that total back and forth rhythm to every part of the gospel. Mm. And so what I see then, if you really read that and take it seriously, you realize, okay, I'm in a time when a lot is being asked of me. There's a lot I have to give. I think, okay, if that's true for you, then it means you have to really make sure you're spending time doing the things that fill you up. Because even Jesus couldn't do it otherwise. And if he couldn't do it, certainly we can't do it. You know, just reflecting on, on the week between uh, Palm Sunday and Easter Easter Sunday, you read the scriptures, and it looks like 
Wednesday. They've called Silent Wednesday. Doesn't appear that he did anything on Wednesday, but you, right. you and I both know he did. Right. <laughs> right. He might have slipped away just to be alone with the Father that, that whole day. That's what I think, too, or him and a couple of his trusted disciples yeah. might have been going on a long walk somewhere. Who knows? Right. And that was one of the busiest weeks of his life. Right, exactly. Right. Because he had all these things to deal with. And how was he going to deal with them? Not by being frantically busy or worrying about the future, but by doing the things that help him slow down, be present, get filled up with God's love, so he has the love and the strength and the power that it takes to deal with the stuff that's in front of him. Mm-hmm. Now, Glenn, on the bright side, when you have <laughs> 21 days to do something every day, that's considered a new habit. People right. have got a, a wonderful opportunity to create some new habits in this time of slowdown. Yep. yep, that's what I think, too. And so if you think about that God's not interested in eliminating our problems, God's interested in transforming our life. So when people say, well, I can't wait for this time to be over, I think, see, you're hoping God just eliminates the problem. Yeah. But see, God wants you to use this as a time to see, oh, this is showing me, this is revealing to me some things that could be different in my life. And God wants to start working on those things that could be different. So he's not just worried about looking at eliminating the problem. He wants to actually transform our life. So it's the same thing about, like, um, we were just talking a second ago about sort of those spiritual things. Like, am I going to really, in this time, learn how to get better at focusing on God's love, reading my Bible, having prayer time, listening to my Christian songs, doing all the things that fill me up? Am I going to let myself get pulled into that worldly sort of anxiety where I'm always focused on the future? And um, I think, yeah, we can can lose track of ourselves pretty fast. Yeah, and for the people that I've been chatting with lately, Glenn, I would say the answer to that is yes to both. Yeah. They're doing a little bit of prayer time, exercise, sleep, but they're also finding plenty of time to worry about the uncertain future. And we're really working hard at encouraging one another to to put that into God's hands. I know right. we're using a lot of strong language with each other. Right. And because we want to believe it ourselves. Right. I think that's right, too. And I also find two other things to be super helpful, if I can talk about that in a couple of minutes we have left. Oh, yeah. Help get us out of that way of thinking. It's really great to focus on supporting others. Helping them with tasks, having empathy, using gentle ties, giving people encouraging words. Because one of the things Victor Frankl, you know, that great yeah. German psychiatrist who worked, yeah. lived through that concentration camp, he said one thing that depression and anxiety have in common is that the person who's depressed and the person who's anxious are both too focused on themselves. Okay. And he didn't mean that judgmentally. He just meant if if I'm anxious and mostly I just sit down and think about all the things that make me anxious and how anxious I am, I actually make myself even more anxious. But if I think, okay, what are some of the people in my life who I could be reaching out to right now, who I could be caring for, what's the thing I could bring them, what's the thing I could do, what's a word I could send to give them encouragement, in that moment of really lovingly thinking about somebody else, what I notice is I'm not fearful, anxious, or depressed. When it says in First John 4 that, you know, perfect love casts out fear, I think, right, if you think of anxiety being a form of fear, the more I can just really focus on loving anybody else in any concrete way in that moment of focusing on that, I'm not fearful. Yeah, it kind of removes it right away, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like instantaneous. Yeah, so, you kind of step outside of your, your little world into somebody else's world. Right. Yeah, so that's a good thing. Right. So two things we can do. One is about really thinking, what are some of the ways we can help each other? So I talked a few minutes ago about how we have shepherds at our church who volunteer to have 10 people that they call up each week just to see how they're doing. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it's good for the people that they're calling. But I want people to think about this, too. It's really great to be the shepherd. 
Because every time you sit down, you call somebody else, be there for them, listen to them, care for them, let them know that you're thinking about them. In that moment, say you're filled with love and you will not be fearful. And I agree with that, Glenn, and I would encourage people to, if they've not done that this week, to do it like in the next couple of days because you will realize how true that is. Right. And to not even be thinking, oh, what's some big thing I can do? To just really be thinking every single day, what are two or three or four little things I could do today to let somebody else know that they matter to me? Mm. And aren't some of the greatest things in this world just the little simple things? Honestly, they just are. I know. So we can be that person for other people, and it's powerful. And the other thing I keep thinking about is we're talking about how, and it says in First Thessalonians 5.17 that we're to give thanks in all circumstances. And sometimes people are saying, well, Glenn, I'm scared, I'm anxious, how can I give thanks for that? And I just think, see, just like loving somebody else actually overcomes my fear, so does gratitude. And here's how come. Because remember, God exists in the present. So if I'm fearful, I'm thinking about the future and I'm going, about what I don't have or what I might not have. But see, if I'm grateful, I'm, I'm grateful for the things I do have in the present right now. So I take the focus off what I don't have and put it on what I do have, which is a way happier thought. And I take the focus off the present and focus on the present, which is where God lives. And so every moment I spend time, just like it says in First Thessalonians, giving thanks in all circumstances, I really think the gratitude is the anti-fear. Mm-hmm. Because it takes me out of that victim way of thinking, like poor me or what's going to happen in the future, to just notice, no, actually God is just blessing me in amazing ways. And it's just helpful to me to think about that. Mm-hmm. And some people talk about it like judgmentally, like, well, we should do that. I think it's not a should. I promise you, you will feel better. <laughs> yeah. So, Glenn, let's go back to something you said earlier at the top sure. of the hour. Situations yep. don't cause problems. Situation reveals problems. Right. And if you realize that this increased number of hours that you've been spending with your loved ones has revealed a problem, right. and you feel like you're the lone soldier in the camp and nobody wants to talk about it, and you feel like you're stuck, then what? You know, and you might be a... But here's what I think. I probably am only feeling like the lone soldier because I might be coming to the other person in a way that feels to them like attacking or judgmental. Mm. Say more. Well, Jesus said, you know, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? You don't see the log in your own eye. So let's say I see me and my kid or me and my wife or who knows are getting into some arguments. And it's so easy for us to think, well, if they would just be more calm, if they would just be more compassionate. So then when I go to talk to them about this problem I see we have, I talk to them about how they're too judgmental and they need to be more kind. Well, of course, they're going to get all defensive and feel judged because they are. And so then I'm going to feel like, oh, you don't get it. It's not that they don't get it. It's that they feel attacked. So when Jesus said, you know, start with a log in your own eye. So if, if my wife and I are having a struggle or it's not going well or God is really revealing something like you just said that we need to work on, I need to be willing to come to that person and say, hey, you know what? Here's the thing I'm seeing. I'm seeing that we actually really struggle with conversations or we struggle with decision-making or we struggle when it comes to parenting. And I've been seeing now that my part of that looks like this. And with your help, I'd really like to start doing my part differently. I like that. Here's how you could be of help to me in doing my part differently. Mm-hmm. So they don't feel judged or shamed or like they're being the cause of the problem. I'm very clearly acknowledging my half, and I'm just asking for their support as I really try and do my half differently. 
Mm-hmm. I like that. And then I'm going to find out I'm not actually the lone soldier on that team. I made myself the lone soldier because of how I talked to the other person. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Glenn, thank you so much for uh, being on the program today. Let me just let yeah. my listeners know that uh, Glenn can be reached at glennpickering.com, G-L-E-N-N-P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G.com. And one of the things he does, which is very kind and lovely, is he offers a, a free 20-minute consultation. And about midway down the front page, there's just a uh, invitation to have a free 20-minute consultation. You can just click that button, and you can fill it out. There's no obligation of any kind, but you'll schedule a time to chat with him. And as you know, after listening to him, you can learn a lot in 20 minutes. So that wraps up our show uh, with Dr. Glenn Pickering. Again, it's glennpickering.com. Glenn, thanks so much for being on the program today. Honestly, goodness, thanks for having me. It's always fun. Yeah, I agree. All right, we'll be back in hour two. Uh, just ahead, David Wheaton is going to continue our study on the book of Genesis, which I can't wait for. And then uh, my friend Richard Barr, who does a lot of work with homeless. What is it like dealing with the homeless in this uh, period of time, this COVID crisis? That's all ahead in the next hour. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.